Welcome back, folks. It's Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy. That's Chase. I'm Josh. Last week, we went and finished up the Ahsoka series in its entirety, went through some really fun rankings, some final thoughts on the series at its very first season. Today, we're going to pivot, hit you with a one-shot episode, and today we are going to cover the standalone film, The Marvels. So we're going to have a lot of fun with that there. And, you know, since Chase closed us out with Ahsoka, I'll be the one in the driver's seat taking us through this movie. We're going to provide our takeaways at the end, some debates as always. But before we get started, I'll turn the floor over to Chase to say a few words. Yeah, man, this was an interesting one, (laughs) to say the least. And uh, cheers to you, brother. Back with another one-shot episode. And Jay Nelly, take it away, man. Sounds like a plan. Let's get these glasses in the air because we're going to need to to get through this one. I'll tell you that. So cheers, brother. Let's go ahead and get after it. Cheers. All right. So this movie opens with a dying sun. And I'm not saying the sun like the person. I'm saying the sun like the planet. So it's this dying sun. And we see it. It's almost, you know how... It's almost like molten lava. It looks like kind of lava-y versus a bright yellow healthy sun. So from there, a diamond-shaped ship and two other regular spaceships hit this hyperspace-type move, and we go to a moon-type planet. And we see the blue people look like Ronin, and we got this bad guy. Well, I guess she's a bad girl. <laughs> Her name is Dar Ben. She's the main villain of this film. She has this hammer that somewhat resembles Thor's hammer and anyways she smashes it into something and and they pull uh in in almost like a a mound of solid dirt from the ground and she hits that little structure with her hammer and it breaks apart and digging through the rubble she puts on what's called a bangle which is like this wrist type gauntlet looking thing right don't think about the whole hand gauntlet that thanos had but just a, a wrist bangle very popular in the indian cultures so anyway she puts the bangle on and power runs through her she's they're looking for the second bangle but it's not there so one of her henchmen asks where the second one could be and from there the scene cuts to new jersey of all fucking places <laughs> anyways uh in new jersey we have a teen that is in her room and she has the second bangle on and she's able to use magic to close the door. Now, if you guys remember, this is our girl Kamala Khan from a very, uh, very interesting movie that we covered not terribly too long ago with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. But anyways, here she is. Happy day, right? <laughs> and anyways, what one part I did think was kind of cool was this part right here. We get a look into her creative comic about Captain Marvel, and it's a very cool, immersive comic. So it almost reminds me a little bit of uh, when you look into if you guys have watched Into the Spider Verse or Across the Spider Verse, you have those little comic little interactions, and it seemed a little bit like that. So I did thought that would think that was kind of cool. And Kamala Khan calls herself Miss Marvel as opposed to Captain Marvel. And, and in that comic, she's like, ooh, twinsies. I thought that was kind of funny. But anyways, her bangle starts glowing. And suddenly she's like sucked into it. Teleports out of there. Disappears. She's gone. And the scene moves to Carol Danvers. And she it's early on in the day. She's laying on a table with this uh, Kree torture device on the sides of her head. And what she's doing, she's accessing her memories. And they're both good and bad memories because this torture device... Uh, it helps it bring him back because she had some of those erased from you know previous interaction that you know we we haven't covered. But in any event, I thought this was kind of silly. I, th- this is one of the problems I have with Marvel is that they are tending to try to make every single 
hero movie somewhat comical and she's so she like she puts on crocs i'm like really well that's what we're really doing guys like the superhero who's supposed to be one of the most powerful beings on par with thanos himself she's wearing crocs i that's what we're doing i don't know man honestly chase what did you think about that before i go any further you know what's interesting too is i'm the one that usually appreciates like comedic effect in marvel movies because i'm like oh that's cool like i was one of the ones that's the oddball out like i like thor love and thunder but it's kind of like the same idea but even worse because it's now to the point they're forcing it it's as if you have someone standing up doing a stand-up comedy night and it's like they're like oh man that chair squeaks (laughs) ha 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 and you're like what did you just say like what the fuck did you say and someone's like oh yeah your chair's squeaking because it's like every single word they have to say has to turn into to be funny which i i mean usually i'm the person that appreciates stuff like that that's ridiculous i laugh at my own jokes you know why because my own jokes are fucking hilarious some of the most funny ones i've ever heard (laughs) (laughs) but not here i thought it was dumb I thought it was dumb. I have really no explanation for it. I don't know how Crocs stay the fuck on when you're flying in the fucking air a thousand feet, but maybe they have some special like plastic lace on the back. I didn't see. I don't know, man. I'll let you take it away. Yeah, I just I thought it was just wildly unnecessary. Any event, she gets a call from Nick Fury. He tells her there was a surge in the jump point system and the entire network has been affected. So Nick Fury asks her to check it out and she's in the vicinity. From there, the scene moves to astronauts and we have a familiar face, the, our nice girl Monica. She's all grown up now. She and the rest of the astronauts are trying to analyze the jump system. Now Carol Danvers goes to scout the moon from the beginning of the movie. And there, the scene's kind of cutting back and forth. Fury's trying to patch everyone in together, like over like a radio intercom. But Monica comes on that radio, says she doesn't want to talk to Carol Danvers like this after all this time. Carol Danvers thinks that she found the reason for the surge, though. They realize that the jump point is not closing. It's stuck open. So Danvers, she brushes off the stone, and it shows a hieroglyphic of the bangle. And Monica says the jump point is still leaking energy. So Brie and Monica both touch their jump points simultaneously. And when I say Brie, I actually fucked that up. I put like Brie Larson instead of Carol Danvers. My bad. But anyways, Carol Danvers and Monica both touch their jump points simultaneously. Danvers gets sucked into the teen girl's room, Kamala Khan, from earlier. Kamala Khan, she gets sucked into space, but is randomly perfectly in an astronaut suit. I hope everyone noticed that there was no point in time where she ever put an astronaut suit on, but because we know that there's no air in space, they know that we're going to think, oh, how can she survive here? So they put her in an astronaut suit, but where the fuck did she put the astronaut suit on? Where'd she get the astronaut suit from? You know what I mean? This <laughs> It's already, the movie is already kind of uh, interesting to, to say the least, but regardless, to continue on, uh, we, she's very excited to meet Nick Fury. And the inverse, she ends up in that Kamala Khan's room, and she's like, what the heck is this all about? I was just on the damn moon. Then she teleports back to the moon out of nowhere. She fights a bunch of Kree. I don't know where these came from, because she was just on the moon, and now she's in this, uh, uh, I wouldn't say the compound is, I guess, the best word for it. She's in this compound fighting Kree out of absolutely nowhere because she was on the damn moon like digging through where she found the hieroglyphic of the bangle. No one was in that compound period and you know when she switched she just switched with Kamal Khan who put the astronaut suit on and she was 
by Nick Fury's spaceship. And Monica wasn't over there either. Monica was over doing other shit on the other side with a different jump point. So where the fuck did this compound come from? And where? how did she just end up there? That, again, very strange. But we cut to the point that they're... What the uh, Kree are trying to do, they're trying to go after the scrolls on Tarnax. So then we see that you know, someone else uses their power and Kamala Khan switches with Monica. So now Kamala's back in her house and her parents are grilling her with some questions. The scene moves to Danvers and she's approaching Tarnax. The scene moves to the Tarnax Skull Refugee Colony. And Dar Ben, the villain with the hammer from earlier, she speaks to the leader of the scrolls. She tells him that Hala's son, and Hala is her their home planet. Uh, the, the the Kree's home planet. She says it's dying and she wants to put their animosities behind them, work together. So she offers a scroll a place in the Kree Empire and she'll help them with the relocation. If not, she's going to strip the atmosphere and basically it's a threat that you're going to help me or you're going to die. Right? So now the scene moves back to Carol Danvers and she's aboard the ship in secret. She takes out one of the guards, but when she uses her powers, it switches places with Kamala Khan. So now Kamala Khan's under attack from the guard and she kind of freaks out since she was just teleported there out of nowhere. But the cat, quote unquote cat, right? Goose takes out the two other guards. So then she uses some of her abilities and then Monica switches places with her. So now Monica comes into it, you know, with the whole power switching. And then Kamala's back in her living room and the cat spits out the two guards. So now Carol Danvers is speaking with Nick Fury. We learned that the Kree jerry-rigged a wormhole. Carol says she touched it because it was glowy and mysterious, and she's showing uh, Nick Fury her hand and, and shows like the power that she like got from that, that she's teleported back to Kamala's house. And she starts taking out the guards that are in Kamala Khan's house that the cat brought back and spit out, and Kamala's transported to Fury's ship, so they switch places. Now she's got some ability, and she uses her shield and helps Fury take out some of the enemies. But when Kamala uses her abilities, her and Carol Danvers switch again. So Danvers replaces her on that ship, and then Carol uses her powers. Now it shifts, and it's Kamala again, and now it's Monica in Kamala's parents' living room. So it's just a very messy of where all these switches are coming from, of like where they're going. There's no... There's no pattern to it of who uses it and who switches with who. Sometimes when Kamala uses her power, she switches with Monica. Sometimes when Monica uses her power, she switches with Carol. There's no rhyme or reason. It's all random. It doesn't make any sense. It's very interesting. To, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll say that, right? Like, my goodness. In any event, uh, I thought this part was kind of funny, naturally, is, is when these uh, guards are attacking Kamala Khan's parents were using a mop to start attacking the guards with the mop in the guard's face. I thought that was a little funny. But anyways, Monica slides through the guy and hits him, but is teleported and uh, it ends up being Kamala Khan is the one that hits the guard because Monica can slide through people. She's got this ability that kind of separates her atoms almost to ghost-like and she's able to slip through uh, solid matter. But so when she used that, it switched her with Kamala Khan. And so basically with this whole scene and sequence what we really learn is that each time one of them uses their powers they switch with one of the three of themselves and we can kind of deduce that it's because they touched the jump point at the you know that they maybe shouldn't have touched since it wasn't acting properly and it was already stuck so anyways uh nick fury says yeah that's probably a strong theory that, that every time you do use your power you're teleporting in and out with each other so the scene goes back to Kamala and her parents. She's trying to clean up the destroyed house with a broom, which is kind of funny. But from there, Nick Fury and Monica knock on Kamala Khan's parents' door, and they sit down and have a discussion. 
you know, she's a hero that saved Jersey City. So they have Intel on her. We see this whole little uh, temp pad type deal where it gives us like a little reading and stats and everything on on Kamala Khan. So that was kind of cool. But Monica tells Kamala that they, her, Carol, Danvers, and Kamala, all have light-based powers. That Carol Danvers can absorb light energy. Monica can see light energy. And Kamala can physically use light energy. So... Kamala goes to use it and then switches places with Carol Danvers and Carol appears in the living room and we've got this awkward meeting with Monica who didn't really want to speak or see Carol Danvers but you know since the light powers are entangled when they use them they switch. So Carol Danvers goes outside and flies which causes because that's a some of the use of Carol's powers that because she was flying that causes Kamala to switch and she starts free falling in the sky so Monica has to fly to catch her but Monica hasn't flown yet, and she doesn't know how. Spirit says, well, she's got to figure it out, or Kamala's going to die. Found this very interesting. Monica could fly, and they didn't switch at that point. But that's, (laughs) you know, I guess we'll talk about that a bit later. But anyway, she gets airborne, and she goes to catch Kamala, but since she moves through physical matter, Kamala goes right through her arms. So she can't fly and hold her at the same time. So they're going to free fall together. And then Kamala uses her powers to create a protective sphere around them. And as she uses that uh, protective sphere... It switches places with Carol Danvers, who smashes into the ground, but it's okay because she's Captain Marvel, so she's not going to die from a heavy fall to the ground. But again, like if you're using your powers, flight is definitely a power. As we saw, Carol Danvers, when she started flying, she switched with Kamala, but when Monica flew, that doesn't count, apparently. That, you know, weird stuff, man. But. <laughs> In any event, you know, I thought this was kind of funny. Nick Fury's like, oh, cool. It was Carol like who fell to the ground. He, he didn't care that it was her because he knows that she's not going to get hurt. From there, Kamala and Monica are now in front of Dar Ben. Again, how did this happen? Where, like, how did that switch? Because Carol wasn't, like, I guess, like, you know, maybe Carol was uh, headed there or something. I don't know. But see, they're in front of Darben. Darben puts on the bangle but doesn't realize that Kamala has the other one. And so the other one's in real close like, proximity to her. But at that point, Carol Danvers shows up. How did Carol Danvers show up? I would assume that she flew. But if she flew, that's using her power. So shouldn't they have switched again? I don't know. That's what I would have assumed. But again, let's go ahead and just take it for what it is at this point. But Monica and Danvers fly off. Kamala can't fly. So she's left alone with the remaining enemies. Uh, And I did think this was kind of cool when uh, they did kind of have the initial face off. There's a little quick battle, but as each of them were using their powers to beat the enemies, they were switching in and out. So it was, you know, Carol was fighting Darben, and all of a sudden it was Monica, and then all of a sudden it was Kamala. Like they just cut. So for the enemies, it had to be confusing. Like you're fighting one person, all of a sudden it's a different one. You're like, what the hell is going on here? So that I thought that was kind of cool. But again, we got this weird thing where Monica and, and Carol Danvers, they can fly off, but that's not utilizing their powers and not switching with anyone. So I guess that's fine. I don't know. But Carol realizes this, flies back up to get Kamala, and you know, at that point, Kamala's joking with the enemies to make sure they don't attack her. So that's when Carol pops up and says, Kamala, don't talk to them. And then Darben accuses the scroll of betraying the Kree, so she uses the powers in the bangle and cracks a hole in the planet, slowly destroying it. Like she promised, she said she's going to rip into the atmosphere, so you know she's just holding up her end of the deal, even though really, the, the scroll didn't actually betray her, but she feels betrayed, so she's you know going to do that. But, to get back to it, uh, Carol Danvers tells the scroll they need to evacuate. The leader of the scroll say they have no place to go. 
So Carol Danvers tells Kamala to go back to the ship and to not use her powers, or else you're going to start swapping places. So as Kamala's trying to get back to the ship, she does have to use her powers to block falling debris from crushing some of the Skrull who are trying to get on that ship to escape. And then, it, obviously, Danvers sw- swap places with her. And then worlds continue to crumble and fall apart. So a few of the Skrull are stuck in a, like a high spot and location, like a rooftop, and everything's crumbling down. So Kamala uses her powers to build a ramp, and again, it swaps her places with Carol Danvers. And the planet continuously falls apart, they end up not being able to save them all, and many of the scroll are left to die. They didn't really have much of a choice, or else they were all going to go because the planet was going. They had to get out of there. So the scene then cuts to their ship that's transporting the scroll, and the leader of the scroll tells Carol Danvers that they don't need their help anymore. He's fucking pissed because he had to watch most of his civilization have to be left and die while very few of them got to the ship to almost continue on their civilization so they didn't turn extinct. Well, Carol tells him that she has a friend that's going to help bring them to a safe place to settle. And we got a cool little cameo here. You remember from the old West world, the old, uh, the old Dr. Hale. Anyways, she's Valkyrie, obviously in the Marvel universe, but Valkyrie shows up and she takes the scroll to safety. And Carol tells Valkyrie that the team she sees is unintentional. Valkyrie tells her that her herself has been a part of many unintentional teams. Valkyrie tells her you can stand tall without standing alone. So Valkyrie decides to depart with the scroll, take him to a safe spot. Then the scene cuts to the planet called Hollow, which is where Darben and the rest of the Kree are from. That is, they're, they're trying to restore. So Darben is speaking to her people of Hollow. She takes off her masks and tell them, tells them all to remove their masks as they now can breathe freely once again because what she did is she ripped a hole in the atmosphere and allowed that air to go to her planet from the scroll's planet. So she, what she's trying to do is she's trying to take... Uh, aspects from other planets and move them into space and time into her planet so her planet can be restored. So again, you're one of those villains that has a good goal in mind, just going about it the wrong way. So at this point, she tells a story of how Carol Danvers destroyed their supreme intelligence and how uh, Carol, and they call Carol Danvers the Annihilator instead of Captain Marvel here. They said the Annihilator is responsible for destroying the Kree civilization. And her sidekick tells Darben that they have to find the other bangle because one bangle alone doesn't possess enough energy. And if she tries to use just one, it will kill her. And she says there's no more time and she will give her life if she has to. And from there, the scene moves over to Monica and Carol. And Monica explains that she gained her powers by walking through a witch hex. And she shows a little of her powers as an example. But as she uses her powers here as an example, there's no swap of people. Like she doesn't swap with Carol, doesn't swap with Kamala. Like what the hell is happening here? You guys, this, this is wild. It just doesn't make any sense. But in any event, Monica is upset because she feels that Carol Danvers abandoned her when she said she'd be back, and, and Danvers never ended up coming back. Danvers said there was people who needed her. Monica says that she was needed there. In any event, Kamala comes in, and Carol tells them, oh, it's nice to have people on board. And Kamala starts talking and tells her that her nickname is Miss Marvel and makes a funny copyright joke about it. I thought that was interesting. And then from there, Kamala gives Monica the nickname of Professor Marvel and she decides to call their little three group the Marvels. And they, ta-da, there. That's how we got the name of the fucking movie. Congratulations. Now, uh, Kamala, shows Monica, <laughs> Kamala shows Monica and Danvers the bangle. Danvers calls it a quantum band. And quantum bands are used to create all jump points. So we learned that Darben's hammer is called the universal weapon and she's using it to force unstable jump points. So Carol Danvers has them put on scroll torture devices and that's the head 
thing that she used earlier to access her memories. And what they wanted to do is they wanted to find the coordinates because, uh, and we also then obviously guys mentioned the crystal memories from Carol Danvers, but they want to find the coordinates of where this next planet's going to be because they saw it in their memories, but they need to access those memories with that device. So they realize Darben's bangle absorbed Amber's power and it can be utilized against her, but they do end up getting the coordinates they need. But in, instead of being able to just grab those coordinates and bounce out of the memories, the memories continue on and we see what happened to Monica's mom, how her cancer came back and she asked Amber to take Goose, which is the cat. And so Monica's starting to see, you know, behind the scenes of the decisions that Carol Danvers made and, you know, it, it's upsetting her because she didn't want to see that. So Monica becomes upset because her mom passed away while... Uh, she was blipped, and when she came back, there's no one there. So then that's when Kamala Khan, she hugs Monica, and you know we get a, then Carol Danvers joins it there. We get this nice feel-good moment, and they come to the conclusion that Darben is trying to restore, restore Hala. So they need to go to this new planet called Aladna because they think that's where Darben is going next, and she thinks that because that planet is mostly water, so she believes that Darben is going to like siphon and take the water to help restore Hollis since like again that the majority of that planet is water. At this point they go on to this transmission talking to Nick Fury and Nick Fury has Kamala's parents online too and Kamala's parents tells her that she can't go on the space mission and that uh, Nick Fury says well there's been another surge and Emma's been affected. Danvers and Monica talk Kamala's mom into allowing her to stay. And Kamala's mom says that she will kill Danvers if anything happens to her. So that was really funny. Like this old ass non-power having mom still backing up her baby child, even against one of the most powerful beings that exists in the universe. Enjoyed that a little bit. But Kamala keeps trying to give Monica a nickname. Monica doesn't want or need a nickname or a code name, according to Monica. And they're trying to figure out the swapping. And so they start doing a bunch of random activities to get used to switching on cues. So that way, you know, hey, if this is going to be a problem, we're going to continuously switching. Like, let's start using this to our advantage and understanding and trying to get a rhythm and a pattern to this, this switching and swapping in and out. So while they're trying to do that, the scene cuts over to Nick Fury's ship, and Kamala's dad is trying to sell life insurance to one of the workers on board Nick Fury's ship. I thought that shit was fucking funny. You know, those small little things like that, I don't have a problem with. But the things when you try to force it, that's the thing I have. But the, the whole selling life insurance to this guy in space was fucking awesome. I thought that was great. At any point, there's, a, and there's something in the cargo port of the ship, and the workers debate if they should tell Fury about it or not. And before we see what decision they make, the scene moves back to Monica Danvers and Kamala, and they arrive on the planet Aladna. Well, Carol Danvers warns them that she's kind of a celebrity and famous on this planet. And so they walk off the ship. And just very weirdly, the citizens start singing to her. And Carol finally explains that singing is their language. And that the citizens don't understand like if the uh, languages if you don't sing it to them unless they are bilingual and the best way i can explain this for people who are kind of confused at this point if you've ever watched spongebob and we had that one point where the guy would say a word and then go and then but wouldn't explain it if you just said the sentence out loud but if you're like i am sorry he would get it Right, so that's the best way I can draw a comparison. Is if you just talk to these people, they're not going to understand you. But if you sing what you're trying to say, then they'll understand. So whatever it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's what we're going with. Weird man, I don't want to interrupt, but that was weird. <laughs> and that SpongeBob episode, that was when he missed the bus. I still remember that one. That was a good one, right? But yeah, dude, I thought it was weird. 
In any event, we also find out that Carol Danvers is, is Aladno's princess. She says it was a technicality. It was a marriage of convenience, and I kind of drew the comparison to in Game of Thrones when Daenerys had to marry his daughter Dothlorak <laughs> over in Marine. I don't know if that marriage ever actually took place because he ended up getting killed by the Sons of the Harpy in the, in the fighting pits, but regardless, she was going to agree to marry him, and that, was, that would have been a marriage of convenience, very similar to what... Uh, Dinner, or uh, what Danvers has uh, had to do here in this like, world. So they take the space elevator up, and one of the citizens sings their introduction and refers to them as the Marvels, which Monica doesn't understand how that nickname spread so quickly. So I thought that was pretty funny. But Aladna's prince arrives, and Carol Danvers dances with him in a dress and sings of their issues and what they're there for. Very strange. But the scene moves to the two workers showing Nick Fury the egg-like thing that they found in the port. And suddenly, the intercom comes on and warns them of many of those egg-like things on the ship. You see it flashing all over the spot. But before it goes any further, the scene cuts back to Danvers, Monica, and Kamala, and they're all suited up with the new gear that the prince gave them because they know they're going to have to battle uh, Darben and the rest of the the group from uh, Hala, the Kree, and all that. So... They go over a quick battle plan. The goal is to get the bangle from Darben and keep Kamala out of the fighting. And Darben and her army do arrive. Darben attacks the prince. Monica jumps into the way and blasts Darben back. And now the fighting breaks out. And Monica and Danvers can't get the switching right. And they end up getting knocked away by Darben's hammer thing. So Kamala goes to help out. The prince gives her a scarf. So Kamala attacks the enemies with the scarf, red scarf. I found this ridiculous. She's just whipping a scarf around and we're taking out the extraterrestrial beings with a scarf. You're a teenage person who barely knows your powers, but you're knocking people out with a scarf. I don't. Again, there's some things about this one we're just going to have to let lie, I guess, because the movie's made. You know what I mean? <laughs> but in any event, in any event, Darben lands on top of the ship. And Monica finds her and tries to get the bangle off. But Darben's a bit too strong, so Monica uses her powers to swap spots with Carol Danvers. And as that happens, the scene shifts to Kamala, and she's being forced to use her powers in the fighting below. And because she used her powers, she swaps with Carol Danvers. So now Darben is like face-to-face with Kamala Khan, and she sees the bangle glowing on Kamala's wrist. So now she knows that Kamala has the second bangle. She knows where it is. So she's got, you know, Darben's got the one bangle. Kamala's got the second bangle, and they're right there face-to-face with each other. Well, Danvers quickly swaps places with Kamala while using her powers and grabs Darben's bangle. The bangle absorbs Danvers' powers, and now Darben's even stronger. And, you know, it, it was just this really interesting part because Darben at this point opens up a jump point, and she's siphoning water from the ocean, and right through it, it's going to Hala. Now, Monica and Kamala, they try to fly Danvers' ship. They aren't doing too well. So Danvers takes out a few of the, the enemies, and she lands on her own ship to take over the captaining of it and piloting of it. Now, her plan is that she wants to take out the ships, and she thinks that she can take them all out before they've got to bounce out and before they're outnumbered. But they're heavily outnumbered, and, but she's still trying, and they get to the point where they themselves are almost about to be taken out and killed. So Kamala makes a choice to hit the jump point button, and it takes him away from Aladna, leaving Aladna alone in the fight. You know, who knows what happened to them? I know we don't, because we never hear of Aladna again in the movie. So anyways, at this point, they, they hit that jump point, and Danvers is upset because she feels like she abandoned Aladna. She tells Monica and Kamala the story of how the Kree were ruled by an AI, artificial intelligence, and how she destroyed it. 
and it ended up starting a civil war and made it so the Kree couldn't breathe their air, and that explains the masks from earlier. But Danvers thought if she could fix her mistake, then she could come home to Earth and not, you know, when she promised Monica and Monica's mom that she wouldn't be gone long. She, like, she made this big mistake by destroying the AI and causing that civil war and, you know, in part tearing apart that planet. So that's why they call her the Annihilator, and she wanted to fix that before she felt that she can come home. But Monica tells her that's not the way family works, and that she should just come home regardless. Like they're going to accept it for, regardless of any mistake that she makes. From there, the scene moves to Nick Fury, and he sees that the eggs were actually from that little cat, Goose. The Goose hatched some kittens. And it was kind of interesting, and it worked out in their favor, because they all have to start getting to the evacuation deck. So Danvers, Monica, and Kamala go to the ship and they see all these kittens and the plan is to have the kittens eat the crew so that way it's easier to transport them. It's a lot easier to have 20 kittens in a, a spaceship versus 20 humans, just size-wise. So uh, the, the, as they're walking through the ship, the kittens are eating the crew members, but again, they're just holding them so it's not like they're dead or they're going to die or nothing like that. But at this point, she, this is a very egregious <laughs> mistake here. Again, Kamala uses her powers to put up a shield to stop that one crew member from walking through. Straight up uses a full-ass shield, uses the powers from her bangle. You could see it happen, and there was no swap with anyone. She didn't swap with Carol. She didn't swap with Monica. So what the fuck happened there? Again, this is like the eighth time this bullshit's happened. But this one was there was just no, this one was a slow enough scene to where it, you know the other ones you might have missed if you weren't paying close enough attention. This there's no missing this. The, you saw because like, she had a funny interaction back and forth with this crew member and stopped him from being able to um, leave that area of the room with her powers, and there was not a single swap. Anyways, they end up rounding up the, the kittens to evacuate to the evacuation deck. Monica is trying to locate Darben on like the little uh, computer system. Darben is like she now is now wanting the sun. They find her pinpoint location. She's near the sun and she's going to be taking the sun's powers because, you know, she's taken the atmosphere from the scroll. She's taken the water from Aladdin and now she's going to take the sun from the Earth's solar system. So the scene shifts to Darben. She opens up a jump point at the sun and some of the power, some of the sun is starting to ray through there. And the scene cuts back to Danvers, Monica, Kamala and Fury. They come to the realization they need both bangles to close the jump point. So Kamala has to go with them. And Nick Fury tells her to make damn sure that Darben doesn't get her hands on Kamala's bangle. So when that happens, Nick Fury is now having issues flying the escape pod. Kamala's parents are praying. I thought this was a funny part. Like Kamala's parents are praying. And Fury asks, are you praying? And at that point, Kamala's father stops. And Nick Fury is like, don't stop. We need all the help we can get. Amen. <laughs> so, I thought that was fucking funny. But the kittens start puking out the people. And at this point, the ship gets too heavy because now there's a bunch of people and instead of just kittens. And they crash into the earth. But they're safe. It's not like a crash landing where it explodes and they're all dead or anything. It's a safe landing, but it's not smooth. And they smash into the ground. But they all get out safely. From here, the scene moves to... Carol Danvers, she's confronting Darben. Darben doesn't see Monica at first because Monica and Monica hits her, but it, because she used her powers to hit her, it swaps to Kamala. Darben drops her hammer. Danvers picks up the hammer, and Darben says, "This could have been so much easier." And then Kamala says, "I don't know. I like our odds." So we got this really cool battle sequence. We got a lot of swaps of positioning after they use their powers. Some interesting choreography. I didn't. This is one of those, the few parts of this movie that I didn't think. Well, I thought they did a good job. I guess I can say. I, I, I thought. The, the battle choreography was pretty cool. It was, uh, 
it was unique in the sense that they had to coordinate when they were going to use their powers, knowing that they were going to swap and knowing when to strike even after they swapped. I thought they did a good job with that. You know, I'll give them that. So, anyways, they finally get to the point where Darben falls down and like this wall falls on top of her, but it had this, uh, this spike or something and it ended up stabbing her. So she's got this wall on her with a, like a stabbing spike into her chest. And Carol Danvers tells Darben that she can use her powers to save Hala. You know, she's going to go there. And I don't know how she didn't think of this before or whatever, but, you know, Kama tells her, or Monica tells her that, you know, she didn't know she could use her flying powers before she knew she could do it. So it's probably going to be the same sort of uh, situation for Carol Danvers and flying into the fucking sun, apparently. I guess that's the same thing, but whatever. Uh, in any event, Darben agrees to this uh, this compromise. But in, in all, it was a trap. It was a trap to get the wall with the spike off of her and out of her. And at that point, she pins Kamala under her hammer and threatens to kill her. And like, she has her head under, like, has Kamala's head under the hammer. So Darben takes Kamala's bangle and goes to use both of the bangles. And Danvers uses her powers to knock her into the atmosphere of space and try to stop her. And she does hold her off for a little bit. She's using her strength. She's able to get her to not put the bangles together. But eventually, Darben does end up touching the bangles together. And the power was just too much. Like, they warned her. And Darben disintegrated dead. But it did rip open a huge jump point. Now, at this part here, Carrie Danvers is floating unconscious in space. So Kamala uses her powers to create a hand and bring Danvers back to the ship at this point now without any mention of the the how or the why they come to the realization that their powers aren't swapping them anymore there was no explanation there was no jump point whatever you know I guess what are they gonna consider the reason because Darben died and like you know but that's not there's nothing to do with the fact that the jump point is what kind of caused them to go all all out of whack. It was the wormhole that they touched simultaneously that made this whole connection happen. It wasn't Darben. So there's really no explanation of why these, the powers or the, when they use the powers, they stop swapping now. And they took this point to realize that when they've used powers, I think I counted five times that they used earlier in this movie when they didn't swap with no explanation, whatever. In any event, the powers aren't tangled anymore. Yay. <laughs> but uh, the Danvers gives Kamala the other bangle, and now Kamala Khan has both bangles. And, you know, Carol Danvers says, how you feeling, Miss Marvel? And Kamala says, these bangles traveled through space and time to find me. I was born for this. And so with the collective powers of Kamala with the two bangles and Carol Danvers and her powers, they push a ton of energy into Monica. Now Monica's all charged up. She flies into the jump point. She hits a U-turn at the back end of it, and she starts closing the jump point. And as it's closing, Danvers tells her that Monica has to get out of there. But Monica says that she has to finish the job. And Danvers tells her no because she's going to be trapped there. But Monica says that she always knew that she'd have to stay. And that's when Danvers goes and tries to pull her through. So she runs right to the jump point or flies, I should say, to the jump point. Gets there just a little too late. The jump point closes and Monica's stuck on the other side. So now from here, we get this cutscene to where Kamala lands the ship and she's distraught. Nick Fury asks her what happened. She tells him that they lost Monica, that Monica got stuck on the other side. And Nick Fury asks about Carol, and Kamala tells him that Carol went to fulfill a promise. So then the scene moves to Carol Danvers as she goes to the sun, like the Hala sun, and she uses her powers as Monica suggested to fix it. It works 
magically, I guess, you know, she could have done this years ago after she destroyed their AI, but apparently it's super easy to, to fix a dying sun. If you're Captain Marvel, there was no struggle. There was no effort that was used at all. She just flew into it, flew out of it. Good as new. Okay. Sick dude, whatever. But, uh, anyways, yeah, it works in the Cree have their planet hollowed back scene shifts back to Nick Fury. Uh, one of his workers tells him that the planets are expected to make a full recovery, but unfortunately there's been no sign of Monica. And then the scene moves to Louisiana. They're moving boxes into a house. Kamala asks about the small plane in the yard. Danvers asks her if she wants to get in. Says she doesn't have the key and she's just looking after it. And Kamala asks if she's just looking after it until Monica gets back. And Carol Danvers says yes. And Kamala at that point says that she's been thinking about something. And instead of explaining what that is, we get a cut scene. The scene moves to a safe house. You get a door opening and in walks Kate Bishop. And Kamala is sitting in Kate Bishop's safe house waiting for her. She says that she's putting together a team and she wants Kate Bishop on it. And Kate Bishop smiles and the movie ends. And, you know, I'm assuming that, you know, her team is probably going to be like some kids superhero team or teens and under superhero team. I don't fucking know. But regardless, the movie ends and then we get like halfway through the credits and then we get this after credit scene and it's Monica. She's waking up almost in like a hospital type room and her mom who, you know, died from cancer is sitting next to her. So Monica starts freaking out and crying and apologizing to her mom that she wasn't there and stuff. And her mom doesn't seem to recognize her. And we hear in the background, there's a doctor speaking. So the camera pans over, and the doctor that's speaking, it's, it's Beast from X-Men. So we got this cool X-Men cameo. He tells Monica that she seems to have entered into a parallel reality to her own, and that it's impossible. And at that point, Beast addresses Monica's mom and says, Charles asked for an update. I'll come by and check on you later. Then Monica's mom speaks to Monica, and she says, Who are you? And Monica replies, Oh, shit. And... After credit scene closes, and that's the end of the movie in its entirety. So Monica's mom is not Monica's mom in this universe. It's someone completely different, and you know maybe that'll get explained later on. But again, maybe not because this movie had a terrible job explaining you know a few a few things here and there. But in any event, that is the Marvel's movie in its entirety. Chase, go ahead and take us through your takeaways. Anything that you you liked about it, you didn't like about it, the good, the bad, the ugly. I'll let, I'll turn the floor over to you to. Take take us to your takeaways. Well, the uh, recap was on point. That was my favorite part. <laughs> was your recap you gave? Got to be honest, man. It's tough to. <laughs> I've seen worse. I've seen worse. I will be honest about that. But this was just not good <laughs> this was not good i honestly feel like here's my my thought in its entirety and as i was watching this film there's a part of me that was like did i like daydream through part of it because the whole, like literally we started off in the beginning and there was no like explanation on any of this why they were even on this mission to begin with they all just all three magically happened to be put on the same mission even though carol and monica haven't seen each other in years and they just magically happen to all be on the mission i can buy it right i'll i'm i'll whatever i'm gonna let it slide then you had the whole like power switching because of the black hole or time space continuum whatever you want to call it but then 
randomly it stops. I don't really understand that. Other big issue I have is what's the villain's name? D Darben. Darben. Uh, I feel like Darben could have been really good if you actually like had a build up to her. We just threw her in there. No one knew who she was. I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea who she was. She just shows up because her planet. I mean, I get it. Like, all right, it's kind of like a Thanos mixed with a uh, a Ronin. Remember the bad guy in the Guardians who had like the hammer? It's like kind of a mix of a mission with that. Like they're both pissed off because their planet. All right, typical, whatever. I mean, not very original, but I'll buy it. If you can provide some sort of a buildup, I had no care at all in the world to beat this villain. Like, it's like, it was there, but think of Thanos, right? Everyone wanted to beat Thanos. Green Goblin and Spider-Man. Everyone wanted to beat Green Goblin because of, like, the buildup to them and the reason we had a vendetta against them. All we knew was she was pissed off. Carol messed up her planet. I mean, I don't want to be selfish, but it's not my planet. So I couldn't give two shits. Like, I honestly could not. Like, I was like, okay. And then the creeds, uh, the crawl, the crawl, the scrolls. <laughs> what are they called? The scrolls, right? The scroll. Yeah, there's the Cree and there's the scrolls. Okay. The Cree and the scrolls. I feel like they were in it for like 20 minutes. They just randomly like popped up. Like we didn't even need that scene. Like I know it was to prove a point like about, you know, the alliances and the enemies. We really didn't even need that to tell the story they were trying to tell here. The comedic effect, you know, whatever. I can power through it. Like that's not like a make or break for me. What's a make or break is to the point of, this movie honestly it felt like it was like rushed to me like we threw all this shit in in an hour and 45 minutes for no reason like i don't really have any reason why like i don't really understand why like you said carol just randomly showed up at the house i assumed she like teleported or something she pulled a goku instant transmission and just like was standing in the middle of the living room i don't know Maybe she, I mean, we know she can, you know, she's sort of Super Saiyan. She has some flames or something around her. But I felt like this movie, I got to be honest, like, it's like, I hate to use the word total bullshit. But this movie was total bullshit, man. And I like bad movies. Bad movies are my thing. Van Helsing, one of my favorite movies, but at least, like, we had a build-up to why we're going up against the villain, right? What the fuck was this? Like, I really didn't even care. My favorite part of the movie was at the end with Beast, and I, I, you know, I think Hawkeye is really cool, so I thought it was cool they brought in Kate Bishop. I don't really know why, but I felt like it was all kind of like a cash grab. Even at the end, got to be honest, when Monica was transported, I really didn't care. <laughs> I was just, I hate to be that way, but I really didn't care. <laughs> like, I was like, cool, awesome, nice. We need to make some room on this squad. We got too many people in this film. Like, I hate to be that way. 
I mean, I think it's great. I guess they're bringing in the X-Men and you had that full circle moment mentioning Charles Xavier, which is interesting because, you know, they full circled it with Marvel Khan. That's also in Multiverse of Madness where Charles Xavier is. So I see what you're trying to do, Marvel. Like, I see what you're trying to do here. But in the end, this was as if you were trying to build this big gourmet plate and the chef you took was the chef at McDonald's and you threw him in there and then the ingredients that you put together were like three bags of dog shit and some chocolate and you said try to make this work still looks like dog shit it still smells like dog shit even though part of it at least like buys the taste a little bit in the end you can't cover it up enough to know I love shopping but I ain't buying the bullshit. <laughs> That's exactly what it is, man. I'm going to give it a C because I'm generous. It was rough. And I'm, I got to be honest, I'm getting sick of this whole um, like downward spiral. We've been with Marvel. Guardians was the best thing I've seen in this whole phase besides Spider-Man. And it's been a long fucking time. So we need a Marvel home run, and it's starting to get sad. <laughs> what are your thoughts? My favorite part about this movie <clears throat> was that it was only an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's my favorite part, man. They didn't make me sit through three hours of that bullshit, and that was good. But, man, like this movie was so rough to get through. And when I say that, it's just there was no structure. That is a big problem. There was no structure to points that you've made. There's no build up to this villain. I don't know where she came from. And you want to make her re- like I understand making villains relatable. Okay, this woman, or she's upset. She's the leader of her civilization now that this AI thing's gone that Carol Danvers destroyed, and it kind of threw you guys into a, a Stone Age type deal where you you had the civil war against each other on your own planet. Okay, fine. And but. She let's just say she is the leader of the surviving Cree, right? So, number one, we didn't get any explanation of this. I'm just assuming, right? And so, from there, this is not. It's not like there's just so many other way routes that could have gone that would have made more sense. But no, they're they're trying to tell me that the most logical sequence of events for Darben now that her planet is dying it's not to pick up her people and move to another planet it's not to you know ask for assistance from surrounding civilizations or again maybe sending an envoy out into other galaxies just to see if there's a spot where her and her people can go no, but what we're going to do is we're going to try to steal water from one planet, and we're going to steal the atmosphere from one planet, and we're going to steal the sun from another planet, and we're going to try to figure this out. Like that, it just, it just not, it doesn't make sense. It's, it's convoluted in the way that there's what she was trying to do and what they were trying to do to restore Hala. Uh, they, there, there was a billion steps they could have took before that's what they decided to do. They could ask those planets, like, hey, yeah, extra... A city that we can just crash in, you know what I mean? Or you search around for technology from other places that may be able to help fix your son or whatever. I mean, how did they fix it at the end? All that happened was Captain Marvel flew in for 12 seconds, flew out, sun was good as new, and we were good. 
So that just so just right off the bat, there's no connection to this villain of like, wow, she's really doing this stuff for the righteous reason. You know, this is the only way that they survive. Uh, like, no. To your point, people, the reason why Thanos was such a marketable villain, and again, I understand that that Thanos was the big bad, so there was gonna be a much more uh, intense buildup and and than just a standalone film. But the point being is that the plot behind it was solid. You know, hey, there's this universe, all these people and on this planet, there, there's a lot of famine. People are going hungry. People are dying. I know this sounds barbaric, but if I just remove half of that, everyone else will prosper. So yes, half the planet's going to be gone, but the people who are remaining are going to have the best life possible. So you can kind of get behind that a little bit. Like, okay, yeah, that's kind of fucked up. But the end goal of like everyone prospering at the highest level imaginable, that's not such a bad thing to think about. Let's take it at a lower level, you know, smaller than that. Uh, again, I don't even think this movie was all that great. But Age of Ultron, you know, AI is realizing humans are destroying the planet. Humans are the problem. It's going to rule the humans and show us what it needs to do, what, what we need to do to survive as a civilization. That's why, you know, Jarvis turned into Ultron who tried to take over and like it said, humans were the problem. So it, it's a villain that you understand a bit. This one here, and then that was just a standalone movie, right? So that, that trying to make a comparison that makes a little more sense like that. So now we got the standalone movie here with the Marvels. You give us this villain that really didn't come from Earth. Even in Ultron, it started out as Jarvis, which is someone that we've known from the beginning that's been built up as, as uh, Tony Stark's assistant artificial intelligence. And... It ends up going sideways. And that's something that's you know believable. And then again, what that machine was trying to do, honestly, wasn't an awful idea because humans are typically responsible for most of the bad things that happen on the planet, right? So that's something that you can get behind of like, okay, got, we gotta stop this because you know we're all gonna be subservient to this uh, AI intelligence if we don't stop this bad guy. But I also understand what the bad guy's trying to do really don't understand what Dar Ben's trying to do. Like I said, there's this, a bunch of things that she could have done first. Ask for help, go to another spot, find an uninhabited planet. There's just so many other things versus like, okay, we're going to take this. And she, dude, there's another option. Just ask the people if you can use what you're using. Hey, can I get like part of your atmosphere real quick so we can try to clear this up? It's going to do a quick little rip. Can I get a little bit of that? We'll, we'll close right back up afterwards. She just like went in like guns blazing to these places that like it wouldn't have been a big deal. They were saying Aladdin is mostly water. So if you take even 20% of their water, that's probably enough for your planet. And that's not going to hurt their planet. Who gives a shit? Then for the sun thing, I don't know how much sun you needed to get your sun back together. But, you know, he probably could have took a piece of it and maybe, like, that would have been sufficient. When the whole time, that wasn't even necessary because, like I said, the whole, and this is the, the dumbest part. The whole reason we have this villain is because the planet Hala is not, is no longer habitable. It's dying. And all it took, that's the whole thing. They wanted to bring this thing back to prominence. All it took at the very end as an afterthought, the last... Like I said, the last scene basically of the fucking movie, outside of the after credits and outside of them going back to Louisiana, the last thing we hear about and we see on screen of the this big sequence, and like I said, it took maybe 12 to 45 seconds, is Carol Danvers flying out to Hala, going into the sun, doing whatever, but we don't even see, and then she leaves the sun and all of a sudden the sun's shining bright again and we're good to go. So... What was all the other shit for in the first place? And if that was a whole deal of the whole villains thing of, okay, our civilization's fucked. We got to survive somehow. And 
that's that was what you guys put at the end of how it could have survived. It was that's a joke. It's honestly a joke because you know it, it took you all. That that was the main objective for the bad guys. You solved it in one quick scene. Didn't show us how you solved it. So basically, I meant and that made everything else you had done up until that point not relevant at all for what Darben did, what she stood for, and how she died. All that it was not relevant because nothing that she did ended up being what they needed. I mean, I guess you can argue that it took all of them to come to the realization that Captain Marvel had the ability to do it, but why? <laughs> I don't understand. You know, it, it took you to having Kamala Khan underneath Darben's hammer about to kill her for Monica to be like, oh, wait, hey, wait a second. I didn't really know how to fly, and then I kind of learned on the fly. Carol, I bet she could go to that sun, not really know what you're doing, but kind of figure it out. And then she, Carol's like, wow, it's a great idea. <laughs> like, wait, what are you, like, what the fuck is this, dude? Like, I, it's, it's comical. It's honestly comical, but it's also a bit sad. Because, you know, what made Marvel great for so long is they had captivated us with not only great actors, but good storyline. And honestly, the worst part of the Marvel films in the beginning was the CGI and technology. Because it just wasn't where it is today. And I'm not even saying it was bad. I'm just saying the quote-unquote worst part was that. Now, that's the best part of the film. And the, the, the special effects, the CGI, and the technology cannot be the best part of your film. It can't, or else it's going to be a bad film. It's going to look beautiful. You're going to have some great pictures that move, but it's not, it's not going to be a good film. If, that, if your technology is, the, is your claim to fame and, and the way to look, make things look cool on screen, that's the best part of your film. It's a shit film. That's, I'm sorry. That, that's just that's how it is. You know, A great yeah, film tells a story. A great film has actors that are believable. They have a cause worth fighting for. This film had none of that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> Chase was very, very generous. I think he gave it a C minus or something. Or C. I don't fucking remember. It was one of those. C. But, bro, like, yeah. no, man. This gets this. Like, I don't want to say F. Like, I, I, I really mean F, but I'm going to give it a D minus because I'm going to be nice. Because to Chase's point, I have seen worse. So, the only reason I'm not giving this a big fat fucking F is because I've seen worse films. So take that for what you will. <laughs> like, like the only reason this is not getting a failing grade according to me. And again, who am I, right? Whatever. Yeah, you know, I'm just watching what I'm seeing on screen and providing my thoughts. So it is what it is. But the only reason I'm grading it a bit higher than an F is because there's been worse films. That's not great. <laughs> that's, not, that's not a great uh, claim to fame there. So in any event, man, those are the takeaways that I had. You know, pull out some of your debates, but what you got for this film? Yeah, well, first I want to say some... Let's put it this way. I think even the worst episode of The Witcher I've seen has made more sense than this shit. Like, I, like, I gotta be honest. Like, I would rather even watch the worst written episode of Game of Thrones over this any day. Like, some of the shit in here was just absolutely unforgivable. Like, remember that old YouTube film... <laughs> unforgivable that's exactly what this shit was i've never fucking seen anything like it man it, 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 i i tried to keep getting on board with it and no matter what i did i would probably be more accepting of this if like marvel was just starting out and i still would be critiquing it like what was that but i'd be like all right well whatever they're just getting started this is not you know this is like, you know, you're going into the juggernaut store, the big brand, to buy the top-of-the-line TV, and you buy the top-of-the-line TV, 
and it's like worse you're buying the top of the line phone and it's worse than like the iphone 6 like i don't know what the fuck this was but my debate for today man is you know we keep saying it's quantity over quality and that might be the case but like the big debate is here do you think there's always going to be a big I want to say a big excitement for the Marvel feature films like the TV shows are one thing if they continue down this path where it's just shit writing after shit writing after shit writing is Marvel always going to have the excitement because it's the name Marvel or at what point are fans just going to be fucking annoyed and be like fuck this and give it the DC treatment like how long how long this is a very broad generic question but how long do you think fans can really take the disrespect of it because if you really think about it the hits you've had and the profit you made off of it Avengers Infinity War Avengers Endgame even Spider-Man No Way Home for the quantity they are putting out in the budgets they have you should be delivering bangers in theaters and honestly except for Guardians of the Galaxy which was like which is crazy to say it's like oh that's a one off now for practically almost a year straight we've had shit after shit after shit like yeah we might have an average but i would say it's pretty bad to say like let's say like you know i liked black panther wakanda forever like i really liked it i thought it had its problems but i really liked it but that's not a good sign when that's like top of the line like i gotta get excited for something like that how long do you think this is gonna last and how is it possible to turn it around quickly can you turn this around quickly or do you think this is going to take a long time so my thoughts on the first part of your question you know how much more of this can marvel put out before they start losing a fan base and before people are just not excited for marvel films anymore i just i think you made uh on accident when you had mentioned that people give the dc treatment i think you kind of put out a good point there on uh, accidentally is that marvel is going to continue to be the juggernaut it is until competition steps up and overtakes it with better product so as bad as marvel's doing recently and i'm not talking about numbers wise yes they're making their money but i'm talking about in quality product i for example and you know not to foreshadow anything but the standalone series that they've been doing have been better than the feature films. Like this Loki series too that we're about to cover next, it's it's a lot stronger than this shit that I just watched for an hour and forty five minutes. But to get back to what I was saying, is that it's going to continue to be the juggernaut that it is until competition steps up with a better product and shows us there's an alternative. Otherwise, we're going to be stuck. With, we're at the mercy of what they put out because no, nothing else is that great either, superhero-wise right now. DC isn't stepping up. There's no third party coming out of nowhere. You know, the X-Men aren't really doing much. <laughs> like they, I think they just got purchased not too long ago, right? So, uh, you know, w- what else do we have? What else do we have to turn to 
when Marvel's been giving us shit after shit. So they're going to remain in the driver's seat until the competition catches up, which they've done a good job of outpacing the competition to this point because they gave us 10 years of great shit for, mo- for the most part. You know, what are like the the ones that didn't do too well? It used to be where the, the bad movies were the one-offs. Like, ah, oh, man, yeah, Iron Man 3 wasn't good, right? You know, Thor, you know, whatever, it wasn't our, our best. Hulk, whatever, wasn't our best, you know? But those were few and far between. Now it's like, wow, Guardians 3 was the best movie they've done in a little bit. And Guardians of the Galaxy 3 probably would rank around a little bit above average overall. You know what I mean? Maybe a little bit higher than above average. But it's not going to be like your top five films that Marvel's ever done. But I will say Marvel, the Marvels here that we discovered today, that's probably my bottom five Marvel movies they've ever done. (laughs) It's bad, bad, (laughs) you know, and to the other ones that they've done that just haven't been great, like the Eternals, the Eternals was, I was so excited for that. And I feel so disrespected. It was awful. So bad. And, you know, even just to continue on with the Marvels part here and the Eternals, we've had five feature Marvel films since the Eternals. And now one part has anything explained that damn celestial thing sticking out of the fucking earth. Like that's just not been addressed. No one's seen it. No one's made a comment about it in five feature films since the Eternals. I, and you know, stuff like that. And where's our full circles? Where's things? I'm not sure they will eventually. And they're going to try to come back around to it. My point being is that, we're going to be given what we're getting and it's sad because we're still going to watch it because where else are we going to turn to for superhero shit? Not really anywhere else right now. So it'll get to a point where people are fed up, but I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. Now you ask the second part of that. How do they turn it around? Well, I'm hopeful now that the, writer's strike seems to have come to a close and the actor's strike seems to have come to a close or an agreement at the very least. I don't want to say close because who knows, you know, in the future this could, you know, rear its ugly head again. But for the conflict tabled for now between, you know, the studios and the large like corporations and the writers and actors seems to have come to some level of a standstill and, and you know, they're back doing the writing. I'm hopeful that the writing improves. I think that's a big key piece of it. I think a lot of the budget should be going into, you know, casting and writing. And then less of it should be going into the technology and the wow factors that you see on screen. Because right now, if you really think back on shit that stands out to you from over the years, and I I challenge anyone that's listening right now, to go back and do this and think about all the key moments that you saw in any fantasy fiction movie or TV series from the time that you were born to here we sit today. I bet you the moments you remember the most aren't these flashy, crazy, high-intensity images, CGI technology-structured moments. I bet you they're heartfelt delivered lines. I bet you they're parts of the storyline that you didn't expect and took you by surprise. And I bet you that it's it's writing that has been that that took you full circle that took you in a direction that you thought was going and then kind of confused a little bit but made it make sense towards the end and you left the the theater or your couch like wow i bet 
I would bet almost anything. You know, I'm sure there's going to be one liars and one offs. So people just want to argue and say, oh, no, this, this, that, third. But I bet that if you really think back on it, the stuff you remember from the films and the nostalgia you have from watching those things are moments that have nothing to do with the technology and everything to do with the writing and the acting. So, in my opinion, is you put the budget and you allocate more money to good writers, good actors, and then build around that. That's my opinion on how you turn it around. I don't know, man. What are your thoughts on those things? Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think their biggest problem, it's like they're rushing to get stuff done. I, I personally think, like, I, I think they hit a home run with Spider-Man No Way Home, which we covered on the show. But I think they didn't even prepare for what was to come afterwards. I think they opened up a whole fucking can of worms because they thought it was cool. And then they're writing it as they go along, which is like the number one fucking no-no if you're doing a franchise. Like, why would you do that? It's like they're writing it as they go. And my opinion is, I think you're, I, I do agree with you here. They're pretty much the only ones in the business right now holding it down. I mean, DC... The only thing they've come up with that's been even remotely good, which was really good, was the Batman. But you can't even call that fucking DC because they have, like, (laughs) DC and then DC whatever the fuck they want. That's not even related to that. So everyone's confused. And I think this is just what people are going to pay for because they know the name. But I do think people are starting to get pissed off. Like, I think it's starting... I think people are... People are starting to show with the dollars that they put towards theaters because think about it now. We have so many options and today, I mean, honestly, COVID changed the world when it came to movies, really, and the options you have. Now we have so many streaming services with series. People look at that and they're like, why would I pay my hard-earned dollar to go see this, see something trash in a theater when I can just watch something for free on HBO that's coming out this week. That's like an HBO original or something. So I think people are going to start to get fed up. But because honestly, like in all theaters, there hasn't been any like really superhero bangers at all. And everything's been such shit. They're just going to keep putting their money towards it until something comes out of the blue now it makes me even wonder right like you know they're even in talks to you know now that we're starting to get more of these other fantasy series coming out that we talk about on the show are we moving away from superhero fandom are we gonna start doing that if they keep putting this shit out like now that we have i mean of course we have star wars and we have all this stuff but think about it they've already announced Harry Potter's being rebooted. You know, they're working on an Aragon series. You have Lord of the Rings. Remember before superhero movies were so big, we had a fucking juggernaut 10 years with Lord of the Rings and like all these fantasy series that were coming out, right? And all these like almost like medieval fantasies. Game of Thrones. Why the fuck didn't I think of that? Game of Thrones was like huge, right? Are we going to start seeing more of that start getting people's money because they're getting so fed up with just lackluster shit just as a, and then I'll, I'll let you uh, give it on your debate here. 
Oh, this is a hard one because I can see the two sides to the coin. I think each has its own allure. Feature films are, you know, and even the thing is, you can even make the argument that feature standalone films in Marvel do lead up to something, making it com- somewhat of a series of movies. Even though it's not like a series that you can watch for 45 minutes and it's the next episode, it's almost like a series of movies that led to us. So, you know, the, they, they call it phases, right? There's phase one, but all that was a build up to the Avengers. Then there's phase two, build up to the next. So, my point being is these movies, they are kind of a series themselves. They're longer, more recognizable names, and you know, higher quality production because they've got a higher budget. But to your point, with these streaming services now, the budget for Rings of Power, I think I heard a rumor of someone in the billion, right? And then, it was right at uh, $2 billion, I think is what the... It was highest uh, budget of any TV series before. Now, granted, it got that budget because what the feature films did, but still, it's pretty big. Right, and then, but your, your question was, like, where is it trending? Right, Not what it, what's happened in the past. So if I'm thinking about where it's trending, well, now we got this big billion-dollar budget for here. I don't know what House of the Dragon, I think what there's $100 million per episode or something like that that they had. I, whatever it is, my point being is that the budgets for the streaming service series are now so much higher that they're kind of on par with the feature films. So I wouldn't be wildly surprised if we start pivoting to where where you're phasing out feature films and just making everything a series on one of the streaming services sponsored by one of the streaming services, right? Amazon owns the rings of power. HBO owns game of Thrones, you know, I guess max, whatever you want to fucking call it. Now, my point being is each, Streaming service owns something now to where it's uh, obviously they're in association with the creators. So, for example, on Disney Plus, Disney owns Marvel, but it's still Marvel in its own kind of universe. Same thing with Star Wars. Like George Lucas has some sort of uh, ownership in there, but not really. So my point is that the, the contract side gets kind of convoluted and I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on it. But I, I wouldn't be surprised. The only thing that I will say is I don't think it's going to the feature films are going anywhere anytime soon. Because right now what they're doing is they're just double dipping. Yeah, we're getting, they're getting revenue from the streaming services and the viewership on those streaming services. But they can also put out these subpar films and people are going to go watch it because they're hopeful that it's going to be good. So why would you, <laughs> why would you stop if you're like, I think the only thing that's going to make them stop is if people stop going to watch them in theaters or stop you know, paying for it in advance. You know, sometimes the streaming services get ahead of time and you can pay for it in advance as if you watched it in the theater. So, you know, I think once it starts affecting the the budget to income ratio and it starts, you're starting to put more money in than you're getting back, that's when they're either going to make the change and make the feature films great again or they're going to pivot and say, okay, well, we're, we're going to stop doing these and anything that we're going to do, we'll put it into a series type platform and build up from there. Because what's great about series is that as long as the budgets are there, you can take as much time as you need to build a good story. You know, we, we up until the last season, the game of Thrones, really the last two, you know, some, there's a lot of issues with season seven too, but a lot of people were saying if it ended right, it could have been one of the greatest 
things that like uh, the greatest on-screen productions of all time. We had a great story leading up from season one all the way through majority of season six, right? So my point is, is that we've seen what taking your time and good writing can do and can provide. And hopefully, knock on some wood here, we got the rings of power that is laying the foundation. People had a lot of issues with the first season of it, but I, I, I thought it was okay because I, I knew that we were, it's going to be slow and we're going to build, but that's what you're supposed to do. It's not going to like hit off right, like right off the way, you know, and you need to have some level of base to have characters develop from same sort of deal. Whether I, I hope the Harry Potter series is going to bring on the HBO max platform is that they're going to take their time with it. And they're going to be able to expand on everything. You can't put a full novel into two hours. It's it's almost impossible. You know that's why a lot of the a lot of the films they used to be two hours or less. Now you're going to see some at three plus hours. You know the Eternals way too long. But but point being like <laughs> Endgame I think was three hours. Infinity Wars two hours forty five something like that. So just because you can't fit everything you want in such a short period of time. And so because these streaming services didn't exist and the streaming services weren't an option back in the day for, let's say like the Harry Potter films, we kind of got stuck. What we got stuck with, you couldn't, they could only do what they could. Do I still think they could have been a lot better? Yeah, for sure. (laughs) But but my point being is that it's, it's hard to judge it based on the fact that streaming services offer you the ability to take your time and build something to to make it uh, uh, to, to kind of create the highest level of production you possibly can where a feature film kind of got to condense it to where it's still really exciting to see on screen but also doesn't lose the attention span of of the audience and i think that's something that is there's a shift there is a shift so I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know the time frame of when feature films for superhero movies may start dwindling, but I could see it happening, but I also could see them sticking with it just because they can make money both ways. Well, we'll still have our streaming services, but let's make a quick buck off people who will go watch some cool fight scenes real quick in the theater. You know, so I think until I did answer the main question until the money they put in is more than the money they get on the return, nothing's really going to change. Yeah, it's... Uh, I definitely see it both ways. Because another thing I was thinking of, too, based on what you're saying that made me think of this, think of it this way. What's interesting is, you know, theaters, for the longest time, they made a lot of their money off people, you know, say, like my granddad. Shout out to granddad. He doesn't watch any TV, but... He'll randomly go to the theater, pay a ticket to a random movie that he's never seen before and be like, oh, that was good. Like That's like his like, you know, that's his review. So he would go see like the Marvels like that. Right. So I think you'll always have that audience. But it's interesting to think. Think about it. Now we're seeing more and more these major series. For instance, Game of Thrones had one. Ahsoka had one. There's another series I'm thinking about that's had one. But like episode ones or series finales have been premiering in theaters lately. So you can definitely tell the audience is growing for that too. So do I think theaters really go anywhere? No, but it really makes me think 
at some point, I think you're still going to have those one-offs with, you know, random movies, superhero films that people will go see. But I think it might dive more into, you know, hey, we invested in this series because we know this is a consistent um, money money bag, basically, where people keep investing in the series versus some random superhero film that we're banking on has to boom in the box office this weekend could happen so you never know but what's your debate today uh, jay nelly yeah so my debate really kind of is, is i'm gonna keep it to this film specifically and talk about all these plot holes so my debate to you is like are these things that is just lazy writing or do we really believe that they just don't even think about what they're putting in the script anymore? Is it something that they really are just trying to put something that looks cool so people can be like, wow, did you see that moment, this thing, or whatever? Like, whatever it is that they're trying. Like, I guess the, the better way for me to put and frame this question is, like, is this film a product of of poor writing or is it a product of them actually not caring about the consumers that are gonna watch the film do you think that just like who gives a fuck you know what we put something together if they like it they like it if they don't they don't or do you think they actually tried and this the writing's lousy because these plot holes were these points where she used her power and people use her powers and they didn't swap i guess that i counted at least five times and i went through it in that recap every time the power was used and there was no swap and I pointed it out, you know, there's other problems with the film too, but just, you know, kind of keep it, you know, high level there. Is this just a product of, you know, fuck you guys. This is what you get and you enjoy it or don't. And, or do you think it's like, wow, we really got something here. These guys are going to love it. And they're just not self-aware of what they're putting out. Do you think these execs are watching their own films before they, before they release them? Or is it, like I said, I don't know if it's a product of bad writing or, is that they just genuinely, genuinely do not care about the consumers who view their product. That's a hard one. Um, and the reason I'll say it's a hard one is because I'm never, I never like to judge people that are putting their careers on the line. But it's, it, it's compelling to me. Because the atrocity, and I can't think of another word, honestly, because the plot holes are so massive in this. It literally, and you can't even say, <laughs> there's a movie that comes to mind. I don't know if you saw the Aragon Theater one <laughs> way back in the day, but like that's like the low budget garbage films is what comes to mind thinking about the same writing level. But then you have a budget that's a multi-million dollar budget. So it really makes me think that it's not that they didn't give a shit. Like, I think they cared about what they were putting out. But honestly, they didn't care about any of the audience perspective because they've grown to expect... And this is the problem, like almost like a toxic relationship. Like, let's think about it. Like what happens is you give in, you give in and you keep feeding into the bullshit, right? Like, let's think about it. Like us as fans, 
it's Marvel. So we're going to go see it. <laughs> so it's going to make money. Because you know why? It has the fucking name Marvel on it. <laughs> so we're going to go to the box office. We're going to pay our 20 bucks. They're going to take it. Wipe their ass with it. <laughs> and say, thank you for the money. We're going to make another one. And that's what I think is happening here. I think it's not that they don't care about what they're putting out. But they think it's a great product. Because they're not looking at audiences perspectives right now i think they're make. i think it ties into the quantity thing too a little bit i think they're making so much quantity they're gonna pick out a couple of these things like i don't want to give anything away but there's big series we're gonna cover next week and they're like man we were fucking successful this year it was a great fucking year and then they're gonna look at this and like ah it's just a one-off. They have no. They just didn't understand it. Like it was too intellectual. We'll have to simplify it for them. We understood what happened. Everything sucked. <laughs> like, like I'm gonna be straight up honest. I understood everything. This was not Westworld. Absolutely not. This was probably a fifth grade level superhero film. And just the bottom line, if honestly, if I didn't try to keep staying invested. This movie, and I didn't know anything about Marvel. If I was a random person that walked in on the street, take my granddad, for example. He doesn't really know about Marvel films. He just thinks it's cool to watch. He'll pick it up. Being honest, he probably would have walked out of there and said his exact words because he's 82. That was far-fetched. Putting him in 30 years old, he would have said, what the fuck was that? <laughs> like, I have no idea what that was I watched. <laughs> exactly. Because they don't give a fuck at this point. Because they're going to... I hate to say this, and I'm not going to criticize someone because I don't like judging people that are putting their careers on their line saying they don't care. But the fact of the matter is, in my opinion, they don't care enough to look into this because they're going to look at overall Marvel numbers perspectives... And this is what's fucking them up, is they're going to look at that this other product that we're going to talk about at some point compared to this, and they're going to say this is a one-off. And what it's honestly going to take is you're going to have to have this streak continue to go until it's like literally box office shit after box office shit. And then what they're probably going to do, honestly, it leads into the streaming thing. They might just literally just drop that all together because they're like, oh, well, people are just more invested in streaming. It has nothing to do with the product was bad. No, it has to do with your product is bad and you're just flat out, you've like a toxic relationship. You've come to expect that people will be there for these things. And that's the problem. You're not earning audiences respect. They earn my respect when you put out in Avengers Infinity War. And I didn't even want to leave to go to the bathroom after two and a half hours because it was that intense. And every single point was on point that was a full circle moment for all whatever 30 Marvel films we had seen before then that tied into it because it was building as a stepping stone. And now it's just, a, I, I hate to say this, but honestly... I don't want to blame, make this very clear. I'm not saying that one individual person didn't care. I'm saying if they had cared enough, then they would have reviewed this movie 
and they would have actually taken time to see what audiences were saying about it. But in the end, you can say, you can make the actual conclusion they did not give a shit because they didn't care enough to look into it and they just expect us to be there. That's my thoughts on it. What about you? I think that you made a really cool comparison to a toxic relationship. You think people are going to stick it out because they always have and all the small little mistakes you think that they just forgot about, but you keep making them long enough and often enough, you're going to lose that person. And I couldn't put it any better. I think that's going to be the case with these sort of films. And it, the numbers are not going to lie. You're going to see what you expect to make from a film versus what you actually make. You're not going to be happy. But yeah, that's pretty much all I got for it, man. Yeah, man. You want to close us out for the day, brother? Sounds like a plan. So, folks, if this is your first time joining us, we hope you like what you heard. If you've been here since the very beginning, thank you for continuously being the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. In terms of where you can find us, we are on every social platform. So we are on Instagram, at Official Ridiculous Patronus. We are on TikTok, at Ridiculous Patronus. We have a backup Instagram, at Fact, underscore, or, underscore, fantasy. Backup TikTok, at Fact, underscore, or, underscore, fantasy. We have our Facebook fan page, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. We're on YouTube, Ridiculous Patronus, Twitter, RP Factor Fantasy, Snapchat, RP Factor Fantasy, and we do have our own website, ridiculouspatronus.blogspot.com. And in terms of where you can listen to the podcast specifically, we are on all platforms. So if you have an Apple product, we're on Apple Podcasts. If you have an Android product, we are on Google Play. We're on Spotify. We're on Audible. We're on Amazon Music. We're on iHeartRadio. We are on uh, Stitcher, Acast, our host site, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy are there. But we are out for the day because this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing, signing off. off.